Hello. Today's episode is a conversation with Alma Cook and Chris Thigpen, two musicians and friends of mine. Alma is a musician, songwriter, and the co-chair of the Music Committee with the Braver Angels organization, and she's done a few podcasts with them recently discussing music and politics and the role that music plays in those worlds. Chris is a musician, producer, and overall badass bass player and drummer in the L.A. area. This is each of their second appearance on the podcast, but this time they are appearing together, and we have an awesome conversation that goes in a lot of different directions around music and academia and the value of music in higher education generally. But before we get to that, please remember to like, leave a comment, and subscribe. And if you would like to consider supporting my content generally, please visit my Patreon page. Welcome to Music in Mind. Hello, everybody. This is Alma Cook and Chris Thigpen. Alma is a musician, songwriter, and the co-chair of the Music Committee with the Braver Angels organization. And she's run a number of podcasts with them, so go and check that out. And Chris is a musician and producer. Both have been on the podcast before, but now they are here together. So welcome. Thank How you. Bad. How's it going, Chris? It's and good. We just moved into our new place. We live together. Not dating. <laughs> yeah, everybody always <laughs> asks that question. Well, that's fun. How's how's the place? So good. Yeah, I love it. It's great. There's so much natural light, as you could tell. This is my bedroom that we're in right now. Nice. It's up um, up up in the hills more. You were downtown LA before, right? Well, it's in a valley, so literally the opposite cool. of a hill. <laughs> but, oh, okay. <laughs> no, but it is, it is up north. Yeah, it is near hills. <laughs> I was downtown before. Um, a lot of concrete around back over there, and, and now it's a lot more uh, green and spacious, and it's, it's a lot better in a lot of ways. And I'm here with my best friend, so hey. what more could I want? That's awesome. Living with friends is definitely underrated. It's something yeah. I, yeah. I miss it from college a lot. I uh had a had three really good roommates and, and we still talk a lot but uh finding a good roommate is tough so living with friends is good <laughs> yeah it's a huge difference between just like living with you know just somebody or a rando versus like living with you know your best friend it's uh it's 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 a lot less of an adjustment even if it is an adjustment because like uh -huh. i already know you so well so yeah it's cool have you two lived together before mm -mm. No, I think the closest we ever came to that was when I visited you on the cruise ship, and we <laughs> and we, we had like these bunk beds mm -hmm. <laughs> that were like all, mounted on the walls, uh, perpendicular to one another. And I remember like the late night chatting was some of my favorite memories from that year <laughs> for sure. <laughs> Sleepover. I forgot about that. That was good. It was good times. Yeah. Yeah. So no, Chris, but otherwise you've... we just like we probably spent the night at the same place a couple mm -hmm. times, but nothing for more than a few days. Mm -hmm. Nice. So you've done the whole cruise ship thing then? Oh, yeah. I did that for two years. Wow. Was it a two-year contract or you, or you just did it? No, it was, uh, it was like four to five different contracts. But uh, the last year that I did, I actually did that year straight. It was like three contracts back to back. Oh, wow. Yeah. So do you like it? Do you like that kind of work? I, I loved it when I was there. Uh, it was time to go when I left. But uh, yeah, while I was there, I loved it. It was it was amazing. Like I miss it. I would I would never go back. But mm -hmm. it, yeah, it was great. I loved it. Yeah, a lot of a lot of musicians I talked to have done it. Uh, like the experience for short periods of time. Mm -hmm. 
but I guess it can get really rough on the water. Like every yeah, time no, you it do it, you can. go through some intense storms and stuff. Yeah, it oh, depends really? on the weather. Yeah, it depends on the weather, no like the storms and stuff. It can get it can get like really bad, like super rocky. For me, it's kind of fun, honestly. <laughs> but like for anybody who deals with like seasickness or anything like that, it's gonna be bad. I bet. Like, yeah. yeah, all kinds of stuff. So yeah. Alma, have you done anything like that? Have you played on cruise no, ships? No, like not that? even close. I, you know, I, there was a brief window when I thought about it, because um, they have. So Chris was music director of a band, like the like the nightclub bar band kind of situation. Mm-hmm. What would have been more appropriate for me was definitely not the band, but more of these individual singer songwriters that they employ. And I think right. the money is pretty good for those too. Yeah, right? no, some yeah. make good money. Yeah. Um, so if anything, it would have been that, but. Yeah, I don't. I don't know. I honestly, if I could go back, maybe I would have done it. I don't know exactly know why I didn't. Oh, probably because internet access would have been spotty, and I was working an online job that I thought that I was going to stay in forever at the time. No. Oh. Okay. So, so yeah, like that just would have been a, a huge leap of absence. You do not have good internet on those ships <laughs> whatsoever. Mm. Yeah, yeah, you definitely couldn't do an internet job. Yeah, that that wouldn't have worked, and that meant a lot to me at the time. So now mm. it's like I look back and knowing now that like I lost that job accidentally, <laughs> I'm like, why didn't I just? I don't know. I would have loved to do something on a cruise ship. It was fun to visit him for like a week when uh-huh. I went out. I feel I like the internet is everything for uh, for musicians now, or for everybody now. But. Yeah, yeah, especially when <laughs> literally can't play any shows. Yeah, and that's all you got. If I get invited to do one more live stream, I'm gonna die. This is just like not my thing. <laughs> have you done a bunch? Uh, I've done a handful. I, ha- I have to like pick and choose. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I've done a lot. Like we talked about Braver Angels for a second in the intro. I've done a, a few with them because I care a lot about that organization and the cause. And and it's honestly some of the biggest performances I've ever had have been through Braver Angels. The biggest. There were like four thousand. I don't remember seven thousand. Am I making that up? Whoa. It was several thousand people at one of these streams. And I remember looking at the participant count and being like, Oh my gosh, this is by far the biggest. This is a stadium show. <laughs> <laughs> that I'm playing during bedroom. a pandemic. Yeah, in my bedroom. <laughs> Does that make yeah. you nervous? Uh, not really. Mm-hmm. No, not so much because the, the the scale of it just doesn't even register. Because you don't see all the people. Like there's there's no way. And even if you did, like there is a point where like it's so anonymous because you don't know anybody and the group is so big that it almost becomes small and doable because it's just yeah, no faces. Yeah. I feel like the live stream performances make me more nervous than in person. Like seeing that count, it feels really mm. weird. Like sometimes I'll practice and I'll put it onto a, a Twitch stream or something just to uh, just to make myself more nervous so I don't forget how to deal with stage fright. Oh, that's good. That's a really good idea. I don't know if you know any, like, do you know the people who are tuning in? That's where it gets weird for me. No, I mean, basically nobody tunes in because I do it at like 3 a.m., but. Oh, that's a good hack. That's not the pop and jump in time. (laughs) For watching live stream practicing guitar. Yeah, not a lot more at 3 a.m. I think I would struggle if I were doing my own Instagram uh, stream. Well, I'm not on Instagram anymore. Uh-huh. But if I were, that would that'd be where it gets nervous because like, who does Alma think she is? She's like all that that self consciousness creeps in. Because there's I don't know, there's something pretentious about like I'm gonna put up a stream and you guys are gonna watch it. Right. Well, I don't <laughs> think anybody really has thing. to watch it. Oh, they have to watch. They it. have to watch it. <laughs> what did you put up on Instagram? I don't know. I think I probably deleted the. I tried to delete the account, 
probably the fall and then it came back somehow and so mm. i deleted it again just like a few months <laughs> they ago were, they were chasing you. they were chasing <laughs> they were like nope <laughs> it's just not my space twitter is much more my sphere yeah i mean yeah. you barely posted on instagram in the first i know place. i hadn't posted since last march or something yeah you're good at twitter i i am so mm. bad <laughs> <laughs> what do you try to be on twitter nothing i mean that's the thing is i my problem is i only use social media for just like promoting stuff which oh, doesn't yeah. work because no it doesn't because then there's yeah. nothing there's nothing for people to come to exactly um yeah no it's it, twitter just is very natural to me i don't know why i didn't figure that out or, well i i do know why i didn't figure it out earlier it's because it's i wasn't i was strictly using it the way you were using it right in the promotion way and i didn't find really like-minded people and mm -hmm. now that i'm in the brave angels like political political art space right. there's a lot more like i can actually be myself and offer commentary outside of music which is you know people some people like it some people don't care for it that's totally fine but i uh i've developed I, even yesterday i met up with somebody that i met on twitter and oh. there's this whole community of friends i basically met my boyfriend on twitter oh interesting <laughs> so that's cool who's not me who's not you <laughs> not dating <laughs> friendly reminder <laughs> yeah, you're just gonna keep keep making that reminder throughout. Mm -hmm. it's like you never a, it's know like when they're gonna. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, Let's reset the room later. You know. <laughs> yeah. By the way, not dating. Mm -hmm. <laughs> just like a random. Even sidebar. even once we start making out on camera, we're still not dating. <laughs> still. <laughs> still don't worry about it. Guys. Hey, hey, you know maybe. <laughs> hey, it's Los Angeles, it's a free yeah, country. Exactly. Can, can do what Be we more open-minded. <laughs> can we put logic in the background? Just sure, sure just to make sure yeah yeah, yeah I, I was tabbed back and forth just to check that's good that's very smart <laughs> um yeah so you 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 both went to columbia in in chicago right yeah mm -hmm. that's where we met oh wow okay so you didn't know each other before then mm -mm. Mm -mm. and which uh which programs were you in there chris uh i was what did i study i was a jazz studies major okay uh performance uh, upright bass and uh mm. yeah i was not jazz studies but i kind of lived between the pop departments and the jazz departments and mm. i was a i was a ba in voice so like the the light version of the music program a ba um, that's yeah, it. So BA. they they offer the do they have do they have BMs too bachelor? Yeah, music? they do. They do. But I think with B, I don't even remember. So like, don't even. This is useless, semi not accurate information. I mean, I was a BA too. I think. Oh really? I think so. Maybe. What does BM stand for? BM is like a B Muse Bachelor of Music. Yeah. Uh yeah, I'm pretty sure ours is a Bachelor of Arts. Yeah, it's it's more stringent. You could have easily been music, but it's just a different like program requirement mm. situation. Um, but yeah, I was BA in voice, and they I think to get a B Muse, you'd have to be what they call CUP, at, which is such a weird acronym for it. Yeah. <laughs> but it's the Contemporary Urban and Popular Music Program. Or I could have been jazz, I think. Uh -huh. Yeah, I think it, it would have had to be like one of those two, but it still would have been voice. Now I don't, I don't know which one I am now, whether I'm a BA or a BM. <laughs> and I definitely put it down on like my resume, and I'm like, I don't know if that's true or not. I went to college. That's what I, Shows I mean, your college loves is. you. Like, if, yeah. if somebody tried to fact check you on your degree and like call up Columbia, they would give the most <laughs> rave review that it literally wouldn't matter. Not yeah. that anyone cares about music degrees. Like, can not you play or can you not play? Yeah, yeah. I've, I think. I mean, I'm sure that in one particular, in my current job that I have, I'm pretty sure it looked good, like it, mm. it helped. Yeah. But outside of that, I don't, I can't really think of one time where 
me having a music, like me having an actual degree was like nice. <laughs> <laughs> I think it matters if you're going into academia. Mm -hmm. Like I, I've been trying to get jobs teaching at community colleges and stuff. And hmm. uh, it's, it's, it's been very difficult, but I, of course I don't actually know why you never know why somebody doesn't hire you unless they that's tell true you. yeah it's weird like you need a, a degree to go into academia to teach kids music which right. they won't need a degree for unless they go into academia yeah exactly <laughs> yeah i mean i would say don't get me started but i guess that's the entire that's point, the of yeah, yeah. point of our yeah. get started. Go. <laughs> did you want to just jump in or yeah sure well so mm -hmm. i i was interested in columbia specifically because columbia has sort of a weird reputation in some of the, the circles I've been in. Um, some of the more uh, academic people kind of look down on Columbia, but I actually know very little about it. Mm. Um, and this is Columbia in Chicago, yeah. which Not has always looked like a really the... cool place to me. Oh, yeah, but, their branding is like on point. Exactly. But I'm interested in these places because I know Berkeley does something similar and, and the um, the... Conservatory in Amsterdam and Rotterdam <coughs> both do a lot of focus outside of the, the traditional conservatory model. And I've noticed that other more classical conservatories like Peabody and Rice and things like that are trying to shift into um, a more contemporary world. Granted, they're doing it in kind of a strange way because they're very, very new music focused, mm. which I don't know how contemporary or not that seems. But yeah, how do you feel about Columbia as a as an educational institution for musicians? Hmm. Um, as an educational institution, I feel like there aren't. I mean, this wouldn't be just Columbia. I feel like, from an educational standpoint, when it comes to music, I think most schools are probably the same. Uh huh. Um. And honestly, from an educational standpoint, after maybe the first like year or two, I think after that, it's all kind of uh, inefficient to a degree. Mm. Um, there's like things you learn in the first two years that are like, oh, okay, like, oh, okay, I get those core skills and ear training and oh, okay, motor mixture. Oh, that's cool. Oh, okay, that's what a, <laughs> you know, tritone substitution is. Like, you know, you learn stuff like that, right. voice leading, yada, 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 along the way. But um, honestly, like with lessons, period, of anything, whether it's teaching lessons, it's really just go home and practice. So honestly, after the first two years of college, like, you know, they might teach you something like a, <clears throat> like jazz arranging, Mm -hmm. like vocal arrangements so there you know classes definitely have like you know you learn a good amount of things from them but i don't know if it would take it It doesn't take four years to attain all those things. and it certainly doesn't take twenty thousand dollars every year yeah four years. <laughs> certainly yeah, not 20. No, that's cheap what were you yeah doing? well now it's changed yeah um, i just i, I just turned like down a, a, a phd spot at peabody because of the debt mm or a DM, not a PhD, a DMA spot. But yeah, it, it was going to be... because of the debt? The, the amount it would cost, the amount of debt I would have to go in. Oh, to go uh, to for a grad oh, program? Yeah, it, okay. It, I thought looking, you meant for teaching. I was like, Anthony. No, 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 <laughs> they no. Make no. You, they make you pay them to teach. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we really got to talk about this. Like, school. I wouldn't put that past a university to do. But... Oh, I kind of hope that happens. What a crazy topic. <laughs> that would be amazing if people started doing that. 
Pan Amazing and not a good way. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, yeah, I, I, ahead, uh, yeah, no, I, I mean, I agree with everything Chris said. I think that with pop, well, this is kind of a, with pop schools in particular, I feel like they, they're marketing to a different kind of mm-hmm. person and a person who's actually very uh, ill-informed about how any of this stuff works and what any of this requires. So um, I'm not going to say that Columbia specifically or anyone over there is like preying on the mind, the, the young minds of someone who wants to be a superstar, but especially like the singers that I know, the the vocal department especially, like the, the kinds of uh, girls usually that you'll find in the vocal department really don't have a clue what they're doing there. They just have some vague idea that they want to be a star. Mm. And Columbia, with their amazing, beautiful branding Mm -hmm. and um, the, yeah, just the presentation of what they have to offer, I think give them the impression that that's the place where it's going to happen. And if they put in the work, I do think that that's attainable. But, you know, (laughs) are they held accountable to do the work? Do they want to do the work? Look at the dropout rate and find out. (laughs) That's probably true with most, with most music programs. Uh, generally, is the the work that has to be done to quote make it in music or make a career in music, whether it's whether it's the pop world or jazz or classical or whatever, is is mostly self work. I think mm-hmm. I, I don't think any school can give you a career. I and I feel like there there aren't that many schools that sort of funnel people into jobs the way engineering programs do. Oh, not at all. Oh, I guess actually Chris is an interesting case though cuz um your connections at Columbia have called you for gigs. Yeah, but that was more so the um just like certain people, certain faculty members mm-hmm. rather than the school itself, which That's I mean true. I mean, you know, but when you speak about it it, it is kind of like still part of the school like if that faculty member if that faculty member works at that school then that's a thing that the school has also like you know recruited and utilized and i mean honestly that was the entire reason i went to columbia college chicago in the first place was literally for two reasons one being i had got a really good job in um in chicago mm-hmm. Cause I was going to Northern Illinois University before that. First, I went to Western, then I went to Northern, then I finished at Columbia. I did a college tour, so <laughs> I was at Northern Illinois University. No, I was at Western Illinois University. Loved uh-huh. it there, and kind of outgrew the program. And uh, my bass teacher left, and so I went to Northern Illinois University, which was an amazing uh, uh-huh. program. Learned a lot there, but again, that's the first two years of school. So <laughs> by that point. You know, all those, you know, the music theory classes, you go mm-hmm. through one, two, three, four, whatever. And um, but so I was going to go back to Northern, but then I got a really, really good job in Chicago, a music job. And in order to keep that job, I had to go to school there. So I went to school at Columbia, Chicago. Also, mm-hmm. the other reason I went there was uh, Chuck Webb, who's like my mentor. He was my professor, uh-huh. and like my main bass instructor while I was there. I definitely like specifically went like specifically for him. Mm-hmm. I was like, this guy did and is doing and does like what I want to do. So like, who better to learn from? And uh, so yeah, he plugged me into like so much, and he taught me, but he took more of a, you know, like a personal interest and investment, um, basically. Mm-hmm. So the school introduced us, and we did a lot of stuff within the school, but also like 
you know, he had to make a personal investment. Yeah, oh, yeah, I mean, he he was called, he was on the Motown tour mm-hmm. when Motown was in Chicago, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. And then he needed to sub out for a few days, calls Chris, and that sets you up to be on the Motown tour. Right. Like the tour tour on, on Broadway. Oh, that that's how and you got on Motown through your... That's how I got on Motown, nice. then the color purple, like all that, yeah, uh, kinky boots, whatever else, like all the musical stuff. Um, yeah, the mu- pretty much all the musical stuff in one way or another rooted. Like uh-huh. from from Chuck from Chuck Webb. I feel like the the, the networking side or the the community uh, side is really basically the main asset I've gotten from music school. Both yeah. undergrad and grad school was just meeting people that I end up working with outside of school. Yeah, like you Thanks. were saying, I mean, it's pra- your lessons is practice, and that that's on me. And I think the the professors I've had have you know given me some some little like gems of tips along the way but uh i would say that most of the things that i have found i have discovered either from transcribing or from practicing myself Mm. yeah i think it's the same for me well okay so there was a certain amount of just hours that i had to put in in school especially since i did two my two first two years of college were at community college and then Mm. my last two years of college were all music classes at columbia that was super, super intense. So just like from sheer amount of hours that I was forced to practice, uh, I, I see like dramatic improvements in myself as a singer between, you know, 19 year old me who enrolled in my third year of college and 20, 21 year old me that graduated. Um, but I think that could have easily been achieved if I just put in the hours some other way. Mm-hmm. What I don't think could have been achieved is outside of a classroom setting is, is ear training. Like the ear training whole curriculum is some of the most valuable stuff that I ever took away from college. And the teachers mm-hmm. that I had at Columbia, uh, Mimi Rolfing, like super badass. Like she was the teacher that I always wished I'd had in pretty much literally any subject. Like she mm-hmm. does not let you get away with slacking. And I super appreciated that. And I mean, Mimi, uh, the that class and Mimi's, um, you know, being on my ass about stuff is why I... Like I think of her every time I do a session gig, especially if I'm doing backgrounds or something or if I have to mm-hmm. memorize something really quickly because knowing Solfege better than the average session singer, it, it does set me apart from mm-hmm. them. And, and so like I could draw a straight line between, okay, Mimi and my skill set as a, a session singer. Um, the other thing I got out of it though is the community and not so much from a teacher standpoint because I'm not in touch with any of my teachers. Mm. Um, actually, there was one that I was still in touch with and he recently passed away, unfortunately. Yeah. He was very young, so it's really um, unexpected situation. Mm-hmm. But um, besides that, it's, it's Chris. Like, Chris, a, as a friend in my life, first of all, but also as my music director. No, we are not dating. Okay. <laughs> let the records show. Let, let, the, let the records. Oh my god! Knocking over audio equipment. Wow, that that worked. Thinking well. that we're dating. <laughs> that was good. I think we call that a joke that lands, Anthony. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> this literally won't say up. Um, you can cut this out if you need to. Uh, okay. Sorry. Blah, blah, blah. We better be put it on here. Probably, actually. This will be good, though. If anybody's just listening to the audio, they can try and figure out what's happening. (laughs) Got an interface, a box that it's stacked on top of, some other items. (laughs) 
Um, Gotta have a ghetto rig ready. Ghetto rig. That's what Simple. we like. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you were talking about people that you talked to um, from Colombia. Yeah, I mean, Chris is really the only person I stay in touch with mm-hmm. from Colombia. Um, and the most impactful element of that is just his friendship as a human being. Um, but also, my music career wouldn't exist without him. He's my music director, the best bass player that you're going to find. Um, just extremely capable with coordinating and and very like eager to teach so like especially early on when i had no clue what i was doing just like the culture of working with other musicians mm-hmm. there are are many ways in which like either observing chris or like things chris would say checked me a lot and was like oh th- this is how it works i see that but chris is not the average student at music school and so it's hard for me to imagine you know going to music school today and expecting anything close to that result i think it was like a almost like a divine intervention from God (laughs) that like put Chris in my life in that way. Yeah. And I feel like, yeah, there's so much. I'm trying to put these things into categories. The first thing is like, I don't think that most colleges are really set up to really prepare people to go out into the music industry Mm -hmm. workforce and and be successful. Um, I also don't really think that, for the most part, that they're really able to. Like, right. I don't think it's necessarily the school's fault. I just think mm-hmm. that, you know, the industry is is what it is. And unless you have somebody that is in the industry and truly understands that industry, because if we're being honest, I mean, that's what 95% of students go to music school for. They, I feel like, a, uh, that's probably a high percentage, but maybe like 70, 80% are going mm-hmm. to music school to become a professional in the music industry. And right. But most schools most of the faculty are not in the music industry. Right. They're they're mm-hmm. teachers. And there's mm-hmm. there's nothing wrong with being a teacher. But I'm mean, being no. a teacher is great. <laughs> not because I think being a teacher is great. Yep. But if you're teaching, you know, you should be learning from somebody who knows what you're trying to do. Yes. And so just the dynamic of a bunch of people that's trying to be a professional in the industry, getting taught by people who are not professional in industries, that's, that can be problematic at times uh, because there's so many things about working that school can't and doesn't teach you. Right. Like it's one thing to understand ear training. It's one thing to be able to sing well or play well, but it's a whole nother thing to be able to get gigs, keep gigs be professional network all those kind of things like that now schools like columbia berkeley um and other schools that are kind of like in that vein they actually do a much much better job of Mm -hmm. that because it is like this safer environment of like it's almost like you're working yep in the school columbia's biggest selling point that is downtown chicago Mm -hmm. so there's so many musicians there a lot of the faculty actually do work in that chicago scene and That's you great. can be you can be plugged into that scene. Like mm-hmm. if you know, if you do what you gotta do and you, you know, can really play. Um so I know for me, like while I was going to school, I was working. So like mm-hmm. while I was going to school, I was gigging. Yep. Like at the yep. same time. I was, you know, either on some gigs with the faculty or competing with some of the faculty mm-hmm. at times. Like for the That's same great. gigs and situations. Yep. So that's a great thing about Chicago and going to that school, Columbia. But the biggest thing is like she said, is like the networking. Um, mm-hmm. Me personally, there's actually quite a bit of people from Columbia that I talk to, not only talk to, but work with. 
Um, mm-hmm. There's people here in Los Angeles that right. I, I mean, Alma being one of them, the you know one of the primary ones, obviously. But there's other there's string arrangers, there's vocalists, oh, yeah, there's producers so out here. There's yeah. there's a lot of people that that I went to school with mm-hmm. from Columbia, and there's also people that are you know graduates of Columbia that are out here in Los Angeles. So there's there's quite a few people that I talk to and work with from Columbia. I feel like uh, schools are especially not set up for singers because the dynamic that I have with musicians, I have, I have to work with them all the mm-hmm. time. I have to, and so that dynamic is there versus where singers, if they're working with other singers, it's, it's, it's a completely different, like that's not what they're trying to do Mm-mm. when they graduate college. No. Like when you worked with other singers and jump in anytime if you want, when you, when you sang with other singers, it was in essentially like a, a pop band, like a cover band, wedding band, mm. uh, or it was a vocal jazz choir ensemble or a choir ensemble. And I feel like 90% of singers aren't going to school to then be part of a professional choir. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> right, right. Yeah. And you have, you have musicians that are going right. trying to be, you have like, all, like you have bass players that's trying to be the next Jocko or Marcus Miller. Right. You have drummers that are trying to be the next yeah. Dave Weckl. You know what I'm saying? And it's like, guys, this is, it's not <laughs> as exclusive. It's not as exclusive as the NBA, but it's still right. exclusive. Yep. If there's, yep. if there's a thousand students that mm-hmm. are going to Columbia in a year, maybe one of them is going to be a star. Like, and that's a maybe. Right. Maybe. Right. And we're in Chicago, so right. if, if there's going to be stars, it, you know, we have like 30% of the stars. So with singers, it's an even higher threshold of like, you know, okay, how many Katy Perry's came from Columbia? <laughs> like, you know what I'm saying? So you have, yeah. you know, everybody goes to the school trying to be Katy Perry or Beyonce or some version of that. And it's like, mm, we're really talking NBA odds there. Right. So, I, I think the literal answer to how many Katy Perry's have come from Chicago is zero. Like, yeah. Like they like... are from, Columbia, from from an art school. Mm-hmm. I mean, I guess Berkeley might have a few more, to be honest. Yeah, Berkeley But I don't think Columbia, and this is no, you know, I'm not trying to slander Columbia over here, but literally, <laughs> like, if someone if someone has an example, I'm happy to acknowledge it, but I just don't think we have The that. biggest star, to my knowledge, to come out of Columbia is Jonathan McReynolds. Yes, Jonathan McReynolds. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the biggest star from Berkeley is Charlie Pugh. Oh, Charlie John Mayer? To... Charlie, did, uh, John, did John Mayer go to Berkeley? I think so, yeah. Oh, okay, nice. Yeah, I don't know. But again, more so like... Who cares, first of all? <laughs> where they <laughs> went. Yeah. But it's like, it's so... It's so rare. And so <laughs> that's not a an issue, but I guess if we were to try... Like, my thing would be gear it more towards being a professional right. in the industry. It's like, hey, let's not mm-hmm. try to be... I mean, shoot for what you want to shoot for, but as far as thinking that the school is going to be able to teach you that, like literally nobody at that school is Katy Perry. So (laughs) how would they be able to teach you how to be Katy Perry? But if there are people at the school who played for Katy Perry, like they can teach you how you can become somebody that played for Katy Perry. Yeah. Maybe. See, I don't even know that it really is just such NBA odds that I don't think there's any funnel, like obvious funnel that you mm-hmm. can send singers through, like this is how you're gonna achieve success. If there were, like it would immediately cease to be that because everyone would know the secret right. and then we'd all <laughs> be Katy Perry's and that's just not possible. Oh. Yeah, cause stardom, 
stardom like to that level or even a, a much lower level it it has something to do with your skill and your abilities but also has so much not to yeah. do with your skill and abilities yeah. like that we're not even talking about school and curriculum at that point it's just like there are so many factors yeah. into mm-hmm. that, that you know yep. yeah if, if i were designing a school for singers I would like, like singers who wanted to be stars or wanted to have professional singing careers as an artist. I would probably use those four years to actually have them build a music career mm-hmm. rather than have them like tool up for this music career that the teachers know nothing about how to actually achieve right. in the real world. Of so it, like year one, I mean like setting up a YouTube channel. How do you use basic equipment so that you can produce like somewhat okay sounding mm-hmm. home recordings? Mm-hmm. Songwriting classes, obviously, <laughs> but like even the songwriting classes, this yep. is where I will just like slam Columbia for this. Not acceptable. We did not write nearly enough songs um, mm. to like match the kind of output that would be expected of you if you're trying to make it as a songwriter or even a singer songwriter that wants like make quality work. Mm-hmm. Um, working with musicians, like how to interact with musicians, this is a cultural thing. You can't expect to not pay them and yet how many singers walk out of columbia thinking that that like everyone's just gonna want to collab with you (laughs) quote unquote for the rest of your life for free which does happen in college because everyone's kind of at this baseline like we're all just fumbling around learning things but it's not going to happen in the real world with anybody worth collaborating with in the first place right so yeah like i would set up like year one like groundwork of the career year two a little bit more year three Mm -hmm. year four um, booking shows like how how to talk to how to talk to the musicians when you're coordinating a show how to maybe find a music director i don't i don't know the first thing about how to instruct someone in that area i got very mm-hmm. lucky right. <laughs> but a lot of singers don't even know what a music director is and so mm-hmm. maybe we could start there and give them the language that they would need to actually like ask for what they're looking for mm-hmm. yeah we just have very general major right now and especially in conventional schools like that's definitely even much more of a problem. Like you have jazz studies major, you got classical major. And so in our, like I said, our school, you have more, you know, contemporary urban and pop. That's what CUP stands for. Yeah. But um, more to what she was saying, as far as like the, fir- the four years of school, instead of like whatever, it would be like establishing a music career basically. And so mm-hmm. I, yeah, I would say for musicians and for singers, I mean, they're all musicians, for instrumentalists and singers, you always get in trouble for yeah. for that distinction, can't, but I, I stand by can't that. Cannot include anybody today, <laughs> anyway. So that's pretty good. I like it. You have to let's take the career that you are trying to. When people go to engineering school, right, or to financing school, or whatever things that are not of music, uh huh. It's very simple. You want to be an engineer these are the engineer jobs these are the things you have to learn and do and be able to understand right and do successfully and with some amount of you know doable speed in order to get that job so it's right. very clear you want to be an engineer you go to engineering school this is the engineer job mm-hmm. this is what we teach you when it comes to music it is very much not that at all it is like right. this is the job of yep. a musician and because there's just there's so many more factors. There's more factors. Like this is this right. isn't a fair fight. There's more <laughs> factors into being in the music industry than there is to being an engineer. And right. so, but if that is the job, like mm-hmm. this is the job of yeah, to yeah. make a musician, then we need to teach those things. And we mm-hmm. only cover simply like eighty percent of the music side because they really only cover things that are in books. 
You know what I'm saying? Like right. music theory, ear training, voice leading, um, all <laughs> that kind of thing. So writing, <laughs> writing notation. I mean, it's not exciting for the most part, but it's something that you know you generally would want to know if you want to you know get an edge over everybody else in this competition. Right. And so, but they, but what about how to play with a band? Mm-hmm. What about how to find your part? What about how to adjust when somebody's not playing correctly? Uh, what about networking? What about, mm-hmm. you know, versatility? Like, you know, yep. you're a jazz studies major, then you're not going to have a lot of versatility unless you do that outside of that. Yeah. I, I was a, I've, I've always been a whatever contemporary guy, pop and R&B and gospel. Like, mm-hmm. but that's why I was a jazz studies major in school. Right. I was like, I'm in Chicago. So all the contemporary stuff, I can do that. Yep. outside of school in right. Chicago. Mm-hmm. I need somebody to teach me this jazz stuff and show me that, and then you get versatility. Yeah. So basically, for me, I had a full school of uh-huh. what a, an ideal, ideal school. I had Columbia College for the paper, on paper stuff, <laughs> yeah. and I had Chicago yeah. for everything else. So if we could find some ways difficult i'm sure if we could find some way to combine those two into some kind of like institutional university then that would be i feel like a much more useful thing and yeah man you're making me want to open a school oh we can you know i think there's there's a lot of ideas at odds here (laughs) because i think academia in and of itself isn't set up as a trade school system uh it's sort of an elitist project by definition and like Milton Babbitt was the first composition professor in the U.S. at Princeton. And what he said is he wasn't, he was explicitly not trying to help people get jobs. What he was doing was music experimentation, the same way that people in the linguistics department are trying to come up with new ideas about how linguistics works. He's trying to come up with new ideas about music. And that's what he's doing. And he's just doing like nerdy stuff in a department office somewhere. And he's happy with that. And that's kind of what I see a university as sort of being intrinsically, that kind of work, which is kind of uh, valuable to society, but in a pretty peripheral way, not directly valuable to society. Yeah. Um, And then I think there's this problem where these universities are sort of half flirting with being systems of trying to help people get jobs. But like what you were saying, you had the the education of chicago and uh, i don't know if you know rick beato his uh, his youtube channel uh, mm-hmm. he's uh, a producer i think he's out of atlanta but uh he, he does a lot of cool music videos and stuff and uh, he was talking about how universities ruined jazz and he was talking about the liquefaction of jazz mm. uh, education and how if you wanted to become a jazz musician in the 50s you just go hang out with jazz people for 10 mm. years or so there's nothing in school for it. And so when universities started bringing it in, they had to come up with curriculums. And so you're just practicing like two, five, one progressions all day long in every key and that kind of thing, because they need some kind of standardized system for teaching it and then sending out batches of musicians mm-hmm. that sort of all know how to do the same thing. Right. Um, but then that in and of itself is at odds with what uh, a natural musical community is doing because the, it's not like Thelonious Monk was spending all of his time practicing two five ones. Not that he didn't do that, 
but that isn't actually what it's about. And so when it becomes too much of a technical uh, product that ends up harming the, the output and the community, sort of the real community that's happening in the wild, so to speak. Yeah, I don't, I'm not an expert at all, but like if somebody goes to school to be a Spanish major or a, whatever other languages exist, the French <laughs> like major and whatnot, do they, do they have to go there at some point? I think there's usually some like semester that's encouraged. Yeah, there's usually, there's often, I think uh, my friend Brianne mm-hmm. studied Spanish and she had to do like some kind of immersion. Yeah. Either had to or was like highly encouraged to. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's what, that's what I would do. Like, mm-hmm. I would enforce that as mm-hmm. far as like, if you're going to learn a language, we can tell you all these books and these papers and formulas and math and yada, yada, but it's a language and mm-hmm. music is the same exact thing. And that's mm-hmm. just the language side. We haven't even addressed the business side, which is right. like I'm saying, that's, you know, that's yeah. a whole other thing. But even the language side of it, mm-hmm. it gets overlooked a lot. And so mm-hmm. it's harder to do. Like, you know, if you're trying to learn French, then you got to go spend, you know, semester or a year in France. You have to actually be there. You have right. to learn the language. Yep. You have to learn the increases the not increases what is it the uh, idiosyncrasies or whatever mm-hmm. i'm so yeah. bad with chris like, has his own language yeah, speaking of those <laughs> i'm not smart guy so i went to music school so <laughs> but you have to learn like all of these things by actually being in it and so mm-hmm. music would be the same right but i it's it, it is hard to figure out how to, like i said i had chicago right so i was in it schools are trying to they're trying to replicate yeah, the industry, but you can't replicate the industry when it's a bunch of people who are not in the industry. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. If if your if your replication of the industry is another person who also knows the same amount that you know, mm-hmm. then you're not going to get industry knowledge and like you know information. Right. And, and the problem too is like the industry is always changing. Right. There's some book that's that's really renowned in the music business community. I don't I don't remember the name offhand. Maybe you know it, Anthony. But it's like how to make it in the music business. Like. Blah, blah. Like and it's this book. massive yeah no and it's For actually dummies? i think it's actually the best it sounds like the best that people have to offer and it's constantly mm-hmm. getting updated right. but even that book like it's constantly getting updated so if you're not out there in the real world like that book is updating based on what's happening in the real world so <laughs> like if you want to catch up to what's, what's even close to current like you have to be out there but it does come back to the goals like if the goal is to just play around like it's a science and you're just in a lab then that's interesting. I don't understand how that like really <laughs> serves the point of music much at all. Like in any sense, like the communal sense, the professional sense. Um, I, I don't know. Maybe I just lack the imagination here. But I don't um, think so. but yeah, especially like in a place, especially at a pop school that's right. like trying to crank or convince you that if you go there, you can become a star. Like, mm-hmm. good lord, you need some kind of like <laughs> field trips in yeah. the real world. Like, look at, I'm not trying to, like, I don't know, discourage people from going to college. I will. Not, but... I don't go to college. <laughs> yeah, yeah, don't do it. You don't need it. Especially if you're a singer. Don't looking, go to college. <laughs> looking, I mean, kind of, like, yeah, depends on the school, depends on what you're looking for. I also, granted, I mean, when I graduated college in... 2014 it's 2021 now so obviously the industry is completely changed yeah and so i think the more as we go uh like i feel like a 
not a degree, but I feel like my college experience was worth a lot more at that time than it would be if I were to go now. And had because of same, how the industry has changed. Exactly, and evolved had that and same like, experience. Yeah. And I don't know if the schools are updating and doing that kind of stuff. But honestly, like going back to my school career and looking at what happened with Chuck Webb, I don't know. I mean, I'm, you know, obviously still in debt from, uh, mm-hmm. you know, college. I did two years at university and then two more years, uh, three more years actually at a private school. Honestly, I could have, I don't know how much money that is. Like, what was it when we went there? It was like 20, I think it was like 22. A year? 22 yeah. a year? So 22 a year times four is like 80 grand. You know what I'm saying? And now obviously here's the difficulty is that you get, you get loans and grants and things like that. Right. Honestly though, 80 grand for all of that. And for me, it was, I guess in the long run worth it, but I feel like I could have took over the span of like four years. I could have mm. took like eight or ten grand, just uh-huh. paid like two oh, yeah. different, two yep. different mentors, yeah, oh, yeah. and instructors. And mm. honestly, I would have probably gotten maybe a better, like I get personalized, like individual yep. Yep. instruction. And it's not held back by all these like people that don't belong in the school in the first place. Exactly. Like, like there's no vetting, especially at Columbia. None? I'm gonna throw another shot at Columbia. Oh. There is. No wedding. Like, for all intents and purposes. You pay the money, get in. Maybe they cut out some, like, just awful singers, but I don't think they do. Because there are some just awful singers. Is there an audition? No audition. What? There's no They had no idea. They had no idea if I was... Yeah. To be fair. Yeah, no. You pay the money, you get in. To be fair, Columbia had a lot of... um, They have a lot of resources. Mm. There were there were recording studios, there are mm-hmm. practice rooms, there's you know film rooms, right. and there's you know recording computers and logic and stuff like that. I mean, there's there's a whole lot of resources that absolutely, if they if they cut out all the bad people or the bad musicians, that they wouldn't have the money to pay for those things. So it is kind of like a you know. Like choose your mm. lesser evil, I guess. Right, right. Because that is one of the big factors of going to Columbia is that there are practice rooms, mm. there's ensemble rooms, there's right. cameras, and you know, recording software and things like that. Where you know, you go to another school, they're not going to have all those things, at least not to the quality that Columbia had them. But sure. again, you are going to have a lot of students um, that don't really have any business being there. <laughs> Um, and maybe it's their tuition that makes all of it possible. I don't know. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, but to I'm me, saying. that that actually, oh, yeah. It just doesn't sound like a good trade-off to me. Like, mm-hmm. I, some I of the, agree. I don't know exactly where I sat in, like, my graduating class as a whole. Because the people who graduate are different from the people who enroll. Um, mm-hmm. There's a huge dropout rate. I think it's, like, something like 80% or something oh, insane. Wow, that's so high. Like, a lot of people. Yeah. yeah. It's music school. And I would imagine most of those... Uh, would be singers and guitarists, <laughs> which we just have an oversupply of in general. But I mean, there's plenty of reasons, even good reasons, why a person would drop out of music school. Yep. So I'm money not. I'm not yeah, money's a, absolutely. I'm sure that's a huge reason. Yeah. But um, yeah, like when I think about some of those singing master classes, there is no reason why I, as the singer I am, should have been in, like toward the top, like 20 percent in those classes of the of talent. I. I'm a fu- I'm an okay singer, especially at the time. Like I was an okay singer, but I was nowhere near like I was nowhere near uh, the caliber that I would expect someone to be at at a school f- 
that's for mm, music. I see. And I would have loved to have been challenged. I would have loved to have been like in that bottom twenty mm-hmm. percent or something. Right. And I think I would have grown a lot just from like the strict peer pressure of having to keep up with people who are incredible. And there are just not that many incredible people around us in the singing department. Man, that that that's a bummer because I feel like that is one thing that can push people to be much better musicians is being around really high caliber people. Um, yeah. Yeah. For sure. I think it's it's actually it's one of the best ways to get better if you're struggling, I think, is play with players who are better than you. Yeah. I it's embarrassing to be sucking in public. <laughs> you know? And I <laughs> yeah. I would not like <laughs> The, I granted I put in a lot of hours even as things were because I really told myself I was like I'm I'm here to practice I'm gonna be practicing and I, I spent mm-hmm. a lot of time I mean I remember being on the train I was living on the north side far far north side mm-hmm. taking the train for an hour or more into, into school and I'd be listening to my ear training exercises over and over and over again which I recorded myself in a practice like I was putting in the time and every spare minute it was like I was either listening to something that was for ear training or practicing something mm-hmm. um but I, you know, the, the, the peer pressure wasn't the thing doing it. It was just my own. I had to, like, find that motivation in and of myself um, right. to, to improve because my peers <laughs> were not really helpful in that way. Now, That's granted, when you look at the graduating class, I think it's different. I don't know what your feelings are on this, like, based on the singers you've seen. Because you didn't get to sit. You didn't have the pleasure of sitting through the classes with, like, the truly awful singers. Cause well, I guess you, I don't know. Um, yeah, I guess not really, cause, cause yeah, I was a jazz band, and then the the cup bands that I was a part of. Yeah, those were are pretty the, good. The best yeah, those are very very good. There there's some fantastic singers. I think when I look at the people I actually graduated with, I'm like, okay, th- these are these are really wonderful vocalists, um, people I look up to, and people who are actually still working. Like I'm very mm. impressed with the singer songwriters in my in my year 2013. Um, they're actually still doing their thing, but that that first year especially like in the the workshop classes on you know i don't even remember the 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 names of these courses they just didn't it was someone should have told these people they didn't belong in music school yeah yeah and i don't i mean obviously the school wouldn't do that because they're not going to get any money but you didn't have any tough professors or anything I got told mm-hmm. I shouldn't be in music school. I mean, I you, have, you have a couple yeah. guys like that. I mean, like Peter Sachs was a little bit like that. I don't think he ever told anybody like that they shouldn't be doing music school, but he was at least. Yeah, so, he was a hard ass. I loved Peter Sachs. He was great. <laughs> but again, like that's the thing about these schools is you have certain teachers. Right. It, is, it is not embedded in the school. It's, yep. it's, these, yep. it's these certain individuals mm-hmm. who are like, no, I... Not that the other guys don't care, but it's like it takes an individual to be like, no, I am invested in like you personally. I'm going to give you the truth of the music business, the music industry from what I know. Mm -hmm. And, you know, that's something that but that's definitely more of a personalized thing, which gets just that just gets lost in academia, period. Like personalization in the first place. Mm -hmm. The interesting thing is as far as like the whole mentorship program, just like because the thing is like your school is 20,000 a year, but you can get a loan for that. Mm hmm. 
Could you get a loan? Could you get like an eight thousand dollar loan to pay like just another person for a year? I'm not so exactly like, sure. You'd probably you're nodding your head. No, I mean I don't know if you can. Oh, but yeah. yeah, it's a. Interesting I think it's idea. Pro- you'd probably need some family with credit. Like they're not going to be as indiscriminate with their loans right. as the federal government is. And then especially since the whole individual thing, it isn't some you know nationally accredited. Yeah, program it's not accredited. That you would come out. But again, as far as a music degree is concerned, the nationally accredited part has. Yeah, I mean, you know, accreditation does, can go fuck yeah. itself. <laughs> yeah, I'm it so anti accreditation. It does nothing, but yeah, I feel like you'd have a hard time in, you know, whatever getting yeah. a loan for something that's not accredited. I, don't, I think it might be easier than you would think, but there would be hurdles that mm-hmm. you'd have to jump through mm-hmm. to make it happen, and they, they wouldn't be like. Because, yeah, if I'm thinking about this, and obviously I'm like, I'm guessing or whatever, I don't know this at all for exactly, but out of like, Everybody I know that went to Columbia, whether they graduated or did a semester or a year or whatever, from everybody that I know, which has to be what, at least 200, 300 people? That you met in the music program? Yeah, that I know that went to Columbia Mm -hmm. in the music program. Maybe, maybe like seven or eight of them will make that money back mm. with wow. with uh-huh. music. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't know anyone among the singers that will make that money back with music. Because you have to be a Jonathan, you have to be a, a superstar to pull that off. Uh-huh. To be making money as a, at, well, I guess session work. You can make money on session work. Right, but that's the thing. But, but they don't, they don't an, teach. Yeah, they don't yeah, teach. Yeah, they don't even teach. Do I didn't session. even know what session work was. Yeah, <laughs> like that's, that's, like such, that's such a thing. Like, and like, yeah, bas- yeah, like even as musicians, we didn't, I mean, I think we did like yeah, a jazz session so and we did, we did, we recorded, if you were like in one of the top bands, you would do like a recording thing, but it wasn't in the sense of like teaching <laughs> yeah. you how to do a recording session. Right. Like, yeah. And so, yeah, that's the thing. Like, and I'm talking about over a span of a lifetime, like $80,000, you know, even less than that, but like, yeah, I probably I could probably tell you like maybe six or seven people that I know that is like over their lifetime they're going to make mm-hmm. that money back with music. Yep. And I don't. I'm not saying I blame the schools because I kind of understand their uh, their position, but I mean I more so just talk to just you know people going to these schools and I'm like you know yeah I'm like I'm gonna make that money back. If I haven't already, I, I, I think have, you have. I've made oh, it already yeah, back. Now that back. I think about right. it, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but again, like I had Chicago, I had right. Chuck Webb, mm-hmm. and also um, I'm really gifted and talented, and I work really hard. Honestly, when it came to music, I had everything. I had the opportunities. Yep. I had the mentorship. I had the college. I had the location. I had the talent, you know what I'm saying? There was no there was no musical obstacle that I had to overcome, right. if that makes any sense. So maybe you were gonna make it anyway, and that was the path you went through, but there's probably was, an infinite I was, number. I was working when I was in school. Right. Like so I mean so you I, was saved the money. I was I was working. I, do feel like it I was working so I was working yeah. supporting myself like yep. while I was at Columbia. I mean I I was gonna say I think that you could have done it without the school but but it accelerated but then i thought to myself well even if it had been just chuck webb mm-hmm. that alone would have accelerated you yeah for much less money mm-hmm. yeah chuck, if if i had like yeah going back like if i would have known or whatever i i don't know how i would have gotten you know 
That's the thing. It's it, it, has to like... be, it has to be worth it to that person, too. Like, I'm thinking, what is, right. like, an acceptable... Like, if somebody asks me, like, hey, I want you to chuck web me. Or whatever. It's just right. It's a verb now, guys. I want you to... Don't take this the wrong way, bro. I know, right? <laughs> Actually, because, yeah, it does sound kind of bad. But it's like, hey, I want you to, I want you to chuck web me. I'm trying to think, what is an acceptable, like, amount of money... That's something for them to give me like twenty two thousand dollars, maybe. That's a lot. Because I mean, I'd rather have to meet with them probably what, like once or twice. I think once or twice a week. I think would make like if you're actually trying to accelerate someone in a program. Yeah. So a general lesson is what, like seventy, eighty bucks. Uh huh. Mm-hmm. Um. So if you do like eighty times two, one sixty. Do that times fifty two. So yes, yeah, but then there's another element like that person is like as a mentor you're bringing them to your gigs like you're exactly. introducing them to people it's like this whole almost like a, a an excursion mm-hmm. yeah all, so, all encompassing exactly <laughs> and no you know those things necessarily you know wouldn't cost money I just this had to be somebody who would actually care who would, yeah and be invested but yeah you I feel like you could pay somebody you know eighty dollars two lessons a week that's eight thousand dollars a year and I mean, school isn't even the whole year round, but you could do that if you want to. I so. think it take a little more than two lessons a week, though. You think so? On, I mean, or, or at least two hours, more than two hours a week. Mm-hmm. I think it would have to be a little bit more extended. Oh, yeah, um, no, I agree. And I'm, yeah, I guess I'm thinking for someone like, I probably, if I were to ever do this, I wouldn't be like, you get an hour on Tuesday. Right, because you you're like almost Thursday. weaving that mentee into your life right. as a musician. Because it's not it's like, like there's not a style. It, Right, yeah, exactly. Apprentice. It won't even be like just those two days or whatever. It's like, hey, I'm doing a gig, yada, yeah. yada, yada, you're going to be my tech. So that way you there can... There you go. Yeah, yeah you're yeah. my tech. So you're rolling with me. Like, you set up my stuff, but you also see how this thing goes and yeah. you learn, yada, yada, yada. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's that's what I had in Chicago. And yeah. if it's me, if, if I'm mentoring a singer-songwriter... I would say, again, it's like a focus on them building a music career and everything that we're doing is oriented toward that. So then it's like, okay, we're going to produce a song for you and I'm going to walk you through all of the elements of this from finding the personnel or the, the, mm-hmm. the one hub of a personnel and a music director to um, you know operating the equipment if you need to, figuring out how to talk to your engineer and so forth. And so you're like holding their hand while they're going through the process. I think it's a little bit more challenging with the artist thing. Yeah, it's but it's also more um, yeah, it's just different. I mean, artistry is just it's more expensive. Period. Even as I'm thinking about it, I'm like, oh, this is yeah, that's a much more expensive mentorship. Yeah, but it's still cheaper than college. <laughs> oh, I mean, that's college, like college is for we right. any any school that's like that type of situation, Columbia, Berkeley, yada yada yada, is going to be anywhere between fifteen and thirty yeah. a year. Mm-hmm. You do four years more. at least. Yeah, so forty it, sometimes. So if we go with the least possible. We'll say fifteen at four years. That's sixty thousand mm-hmm. dollars. Honestly, if you were to spend, like we said, eight grand, so let's go 10 grand. If you're practicing, like working your ass off, because like we said, as far as college is concerned, after the first two years, you're not really, it's the connections that after that. You work your ass off, $10,000, two years, and you're literally under somebody. Like you're, if you're working your ass off, you're going to get good mm-hmm. yep. over the span of two years. And if you're learning from somebody who's in the industry over two years, like it takes less than two years yeah. for people to start i mean it took chuck you know i think after i came in i was like yo i want to do what you're doing i want to do musical theater and he just kept throwing all these james jameson um transcriptions at me and so this is your private lessons yeah these are my private lessons with chuck we were only meeting meeting once a week Mm -hmm. so you know i was practicing at home because that's what music is go home and practice like (laughs) we tell you this like one or two times go home and practice Mm -hmm. like that's really what it is 
we would meet once a week. I'd practice yada yada. After like six or seven months of that, after I grew in my sight reading, he was like, okay, I got to do this musical. I need somebody to sub for me. And it was Crowns. And so I did Crowns. And then all of that went well because he prepared me to do that and I mm -hmm. practiced. And then once I did a good job on Crowns, I get that work experience of, oh, okay, this is what it's like to work in musical theater. He had another show that came mm -hmm. up, Motown. And then I suffered him on Motown. And then it just, yeah. So I feel like- That's amazing. You could do like, you could do like two years of this mentor thing at like $20,000 yeah. and you could make that money back, you know. Um, yeah, you could make that back in less than a year. Yeah, absolutely. Don't steal my idea. <laughs> well, you, you gotta you gotta put on your website like the the Chuck Web package. <laughs> it's like always called the Chuck, Chuck Web package. <laughs> I love it. You could do different tiers, like your relationships with different professors too. Like mm -hmm. yes. one of them is like they meet with you and a bunch of other people once a week, and you don't really get a whole lot out of it. The Peter Sachs package, where he just yells at you and calls you, like, tells you <laughs> yeah. terrible. But he said he said real fast. <laughs> yeah, because now I'm just going back on my career, and I feel like I'm talking a whole bunch so I'm gonna stop. no it's good but i feel like my whole career like i don't columbia college i like i think it's a you know i think any school is like you know generally going to be like a decent school for what they're designed for but that's the thing i don't believe these schools are designed mm. for people to go and make a living in the music industry right the biggest things that i got from columbia was connections including chuck webb including the people that i work with my network of people and playing experience. That was a big thing. You get a lot of playing experience at a uh -huh. place like Columbia, Berkeley and other places like that. So mm -hmm. those things are big, but it's huge. It's, it's a mentorship. Yep. It's people that was in the industry. My, my father, you know what I'm saying? Sheree Reed, mm -hmm. Chuck Webb, Daryl Archibald, like people that I've worked with. Mm -hmm. it's, it's people that I've worked with in the industry who worked in the industry that I spent time around, that I've yeah. studied, that i paid attention to, and they, they answered my 40,000 questions. Again, personalized. Mm -hmm. Like, so, and yeah, you, there's not really, yeah. those things that I ask questions about, they don't even happen in an academia uh, situation mm -hmm. where you would ever think to ask the question because it's not happening. Yeah. Yeah, I think especially in the vocals department, that's not happening. Uh, and the, the people teaching in academia are not working nearly as much as Chuck Webb was working even. Mm -hmm. So like it's further handicapped by that. Um, and all respect, I mean, I, I loved H.G. Bacchus, who is, I think, the head of the music department at the time. I think he's retired now, was my, my private lesson teacher for my last year or last semester. And I got a lot out of my lessons with him as a vocalist. Mm -hmm. um, but I didn't get anything close to that kind of mentorship. H.G. wasn't working as a singer. So there, there was no Motown gig for, for me to sub in on. Right. <laughs> Not that that would even. <laughs> Can you, go you imagine? Sing the bass like, part. H.G. wasn't on that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, there, there's not. There's, there's not, one role for you. It's Tina laughable, Marie. like because those. Oh my god, it's laughable because <clears throat> even if he had been singing on stage in some musical, you can't just sub in a student right. the way you can sub right. in a bass player. You mm -hmm. know, like I'm not in the pit. Like the singer yep. is on the stage. Maybe if there's some choral role, but again, I didn't come to Columbia so I could sing in a choir. Right. I got a lot out of my choirs. In fact, they were like some of the most musically challenging um, groups or like classes that I had. But there's just no analog to what a what an instrumentalist can get, and I don't know how to fix that. I don't know. Uh -huh. the, the singer songwriter thing is its own animal. There is no program that's going to be perfectly designed for any given person's mm -hmm. like dream career. 
Well, one thing that uh, the the one of the music history professors at at UW said to us in our in our freshman music history course, which I thought was wonderful, he said two things. He said, number one, there's no such thing as a historical fact. Uh, that's My nonsense. boyfriend says that all the time. That's great. <laughs> and then number two, none of you need this. This is mm. something that the department has deemed uh, re- like compulsory. But I believe that all of you could go out and be wonderful musicians and have zero idea about anything Bach or Sam Martini or Shawskan or any of those people ever did. And uh, what was interesting is the jazz people got really mad. And they were like arguing about how important knowing the history was. And he's like, no, 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 you can play a great solo without knowing the history. And maybe knowing history can help you in informative ways in referencing and understanding traditions and, and sort of deepen how you internalize it. But you don't need it. You can be great without all that stuff. I like teachers that are honest like that. Yeah. That was pretty interesting. It's, it's a language. Mm-hmm. And... You know, that just means so many things. I mean, that's also not taught in school. Like, uh-huh. music is a language. Um, they might say it, like, you know, once or twice throughout the course of the year, but there's a lot that goes into that. Also, like, the things like we've said so many times, you know, and when we say it's an NBA thing, we mean every year the NBA uh, draft 60 players. Mm-hmm. So, literally, out of the entire world like the entire world when i don't that's how many people it's like four billion or something like that or whatever seven billion seven billion that's a lot more <laughs> that's almost double so yeah out of like seven billion people they draft 60 mm-hmm. each year and out of those 60 those 60 don't even stay in the nba right. even for that year and when it comes to music it's the same it's, it's not as difficult as the NBA, obviously, because there's more opportunities than 60 a year. But when you cop, when you do the op- the the opportunities versus people who are trying to do it, if you had to guess off the top of your head, like how many touring artists are there, like in the world? In the world. Like I'm just, I don't even know. I don't know. You but, would have a much better idea of that. Yeah, I mean, I could be super, super, because I'm terrible with like guessing big numbers and whatnot. But if there's like you know, if there are like 300 touring artists, do you mean like, like headliners or, the, or all? No, the just like touring. No, no, I'm talking about like, okay, so people who are actually going to make a, a career. So the average salary for a single person, I think, in America is about $30,000 a year, like the median. I think it's something around there. Uh, Maybe. Like, I don't know. So yeah, I, I think like like the middle like average salary for a single person in America is around thirty thousand dollars a year. So let's just say any touring act that if you play for them, you would make above thirty thousand a year, because mm-hmm. there's an unbelievable amount of touring acts that you will not make thirty thousand mm-hmm. dollars a year from. Mm-hmm. So get rid of all of that touring acts that are gonna make thirty thousand dollars at least a year. There may be like two hundred and fifty three hundred of those within a year so in the whole world in the whole world i would i mean but like billboard hot 100 it's not 100 different artists but it's not 50 artists right it's something like 60 70 so you're thinking less i think it's actually more you think it's more yeah i mean when i think about the k-pop when i think like you know there's i guess the u.s produces a lot of them england produces a Mm. lot of them well how many would you say in the u.s Um, though from that 
Like 60? In the U.S.? I, U.S. is going to have the most. I think that in the U.S. there's got to... We sat, like, we're just guessing. I'm yeah, very totally bad at guessing. estimating. <laughs> I feel like in the U.S. there's something like 100, 200. 100, 200? Maybe. So there may be 400, 500. Cause US and they're is not all touring produce. at the same time. Well, no, like, but I'm saying, I'm sure. saying within a year. Okay. Like, not, I'm not talking about like, um, at the same time. Like within a year. Like, I mean, Sam Smith is going to tour one year. Maybe Fergie is going to tour the next. Mm -hmm. um, and I would still want to count them. So yeah, we could. So, yeah, so like, no, I'm just I'm just going yeah. from year to year to year. Okay. Like, so I don't I don't know. I mean, basically what basically what I'm saying is like there for your for me as a bass player, right? right. There is there's there's maybe 500. It's in spots. the hundreds. There's there's 500 yeah. spots right. in the, in the entire world. Mm -hmm. That's gonna make me at least thirty, make me a a, a decent right. salary mm -hmm. in America that is needed to survive on. Not to mention we're trying to survive in Los Angeles, uh, Chicago, New York, yep. which are yep. you need mm -hmm. more than thirty thousand dollars a year oh, to yeah. do. Oh, so five hundred spots. So and but you know, and in just my school, Columbia, which was not a big school, there's you know fifty bass players. Something Ooh. like that. 50, 60 bass players. And then that's just one school in Chicago. Yeah. There's, you know, 10 schools in Chicago. So that's, mm -hmm. there's your, you know, you yeah. got about right. 300 bass players right there. You do two cities, Los Angeles, there's probably about 300 bass players mm -hmm. in Los Angeles in college every year. Right. We just, we only did two states. And that's mm -hmm. literally all the bass spots that are available in the, the world. The entire world, yeah. That's true. There's other kinds of work, though, because... The, the yeah, absolutely. Players, so I was saying, the as far as like, up at Northwestern and U Chicago are probably going more for orchestral spots. And right, but that's the thing. Orchestral is even orchestral yep. is even. Yeah, I, I was going to go further. Orchestral is even harder to get into the NBA. Right. You get into one of those big orchestras, uh, oh, orchestras yeah. or whatever. Yeah. You have that spot for like sixty years. They have like one spot open up every. I don't even know what. It's 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 harder to get into that than it is to the NBA. Mm -hmm. Also, when you when you go to sessions, movie sessions, film sessions, TV sessions, Oscars, Grammys, it's the same yep. people. Yep. It's the it's the same ten people. It's not one person doesn't play bass for the Grammys one year and then another person plays it the next year. Right. And the Oscars and the Governor's Ball and these kind of things like that. Like there is a rotation of maybe four to five bass players. And it's not even a rotation. It's just like over the last like 30 years, like maybe five different bass players yeah. have played in, you know, <laughs> those things. So they nice. call the same people for the film sessions, right. for the whatever sessions. That's so so nice. there's, it's like I said, it's like, it's like NBA odds. And so that's the first thing that not schools, people who are trying to be musicians, people who are trying to be singers, right. people who are trying to be artists. That's the first thing that people need to realize. Right. Is that it is not as simple as even if you're good mm -hmm. that you'll make it. And I guess what what I'm encouraged by is that as an artist, there are so many other ways to make it. Well, actually, mm -hmm. I mean, certainly as a musician too, but that's where um, even like the DIY build a music career in four years oh, thing yeah. would be really helpful. Is like you you can be independent and you don't mm -hmm. have to tour. Like on recording music alone, like if I hustled, I completely believe that I could have like a self-sustaining career right. in this, even just on like the kind of money a person can make on YouTube. If I mm -hmm. worked toward it and actually right. like, wanted that. Mm -hmm. um, and even if I couldn't, someone else in my, you know, roughly right. my same right, skills right, right. that could. Mm -hmm. So I know that there are, there are way more slots now, now that the music industry is more democratized, but do you think Columbia is teaching that even like nothing 
I mean, not again, no shade to Columbia specifically, but there's no school schools. that can a like, little bit. teach you. <laughs> yeah, a little bit. I mean, just schools, period. And, and Columbia agree. and Berkeley would do a better job than the conventional yeah. right, for your universities. But I, definitely not you know what's that. one thing that stood out to me from, uh, I'm not going to name the name of this teacher, but like one of the voice teachers at Columbia essentially structured her class, her voice um, workshop around the idea that most of us probably weren't going to make it in the industry as singers. And so we mm -hmm. might as well learn how to teach. Mm -hmm. And so there's this whole class about singing that she structured around how to teach singing because mm -hmm. she was more hopeless than we were about our own prospects, which is fair. She should be hopeless about it, especially since most of us sucked. But, um, <laughs> She's the like, fact, what am I like, going to do? Right, exactly. There's not this dichotomy though, between like touring with Katy Perry or being Katy Perry and um teaching like there's a lot of stuff in between that's um, a super important yeah. point yeah yeah uh I, I i ran into this with 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 my family when i was going into music and the the idea that there is only being a superstar or being uh like on the street or something right. like that mm. when actually it's it is a much less centralized landscape than that and i think there's a problem with the centers like you mentioned, like L.A. and New York and then Chicago to a point um, where there's this idea that you have to get in to all the Hollywood films or all the the uh, the the big session gigs and stuff. When actually there there is musical work happening all over the country and there there is something to uh, working towards decentralizing that. Because I think what that will allow people to do is exist at multiple tiers yeah. and multiple levels. So the, the Katy Perry's will still be there. But what about like the Austin film industry? They need musicians. They need session players. They need stuff like that, too. Mm. Yeah, I'm, I'm really pleased. And it, this is what pisses me off when artists in particular act like they're entitled. Like there's this whole like, just like there's a support local businesses movement. There's like a support local and small artists movement. Even if you're not good, like you deserve their support because you're small. Yeah. <laughs> this is like a whole other it. episode with Chris. Yeah. yeah. I got I got a trouble um, for a status about this some years ago. <laughs> oh. Keep going. Oh yeah. Um, it's exciting. Uh, but yeah, like there's there's a lot of complaining. Like artists, oh, it's so hard to make it. It's so hard to make it. And I'm like, what do you mean by make it? Because yep, yep. in most mm -hmm. senses of the word, it's never been easier. And yeah, there's a lot more competition because everybody can just buy Logic and record their but own everybody shit sucks. and like post it on. <laughs> a lot of them do. So be better than them. Uh, yeah, you have to be better. Um, but the entitlement yeah, is just, the entitlement is ridiculous. Your yeah. whole entire career choice is subjective. Yeah. Like, it's literally, like, the, the entirety of your career is, like, you and it being successful or not is literally based off of whether people like it or not, mm -hmm. which is not ingrained in any kind of, like, you know, specific science or formula or fact. Right. Like, and so, yeah, the entitlement, especially when it's something that nobody told you that you had to do. In fact, people told you that <laughs> right. you shouldn't do it because right. of this very problem. Yep. Like, you're never going to make it's hard, blah, blah, blah. And you're like, fuck you, dad. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to be punk rock. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to do what I want. And then there'll be a scene at the end where, like, the dad walks in when you're playing a huge stadium tour and he's so proud of you, like a Disney movie. And, and he gives you, like, a it's nod. It's just not, yeah. <laughs> the knowing smile and nod. <laughs> yeah. The, the first thing, like the, like the two of you were saying, the first thing that I would address would be... The, the students, the potential students. Because you're right, as far as like, there's a lot of things to do. But if we're being honest, like, what are 95% of 18 year olds going into music school to do? Mm. 
they're they're not going in there to even if it's not to try to be Katy Perry or Steve Gatto, right. whatever, like what working in the industry is, that is definitely not their expectation or their mindset. Mm-hmm. So the first thing I would do would be like tethering expectations for yep. these young students. Maybe talk to them in high school, like mm-hmm. before they go to college. And it's not to it's not to discourage them. It's to give them the actual truth and the lay of the land so they can actually make an informed decision and not one that is just based on you know, flashing lights and fancy tours and, you know, money and mansions and music videos, because that's very much what the music industry is. Even when you right. get into the music industry, like that's not what it is. Mm-hmm. My yeah. father said this best. He was like, you, so what, the, what's the biggest concert lately? The Beyonce Coachella thing, right? Like, so the Beyonce Coachella, they did two nights at Coachella. The concert is probably about three hours long. So they did two shows back to back. So that's mm-hmm. six hours of show. And my dad said, he was like, son, like the music industry is not that. He right. said, that's six hours. They did that for four months. Yep. They spent four months, mm-hmm. <laughs> like anywhere between four to eight hours a day to do oh six God. hours. I, I have a friend who was on the, the Beyonce Coachella mm-hmm. show a, a couple of years ago. And like when she was telling about what the, the rehearsal process was What did she do? Like, Rhea. Rhea okay, was on what, okay. Was she a dancer or a singer? A uh, violist. She? Violist. Oh, oh, wow. Yeah. Because they had like a whole freaking right. pep band over there. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, it, uh, yeah. It was like four months of like five days a week, nine mm-hmm. to five, and apparently most of it was just sitting, not doing anything. Yeah, because there's so many people and so many things involved. So basically, just like tether expectations. But I had people that told me this. Again, the people that I named prior, but those are people who are not teachers at an academic school, right? You you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like, and yep. so yeah, but but that's what those kids are going to school to do. But it's just academia versus trade. I think it's, it's are you are you an academic with your music? Are you are you there to think about music? Or are you there to do music? And I feel like the those two they're they're at odds with each other, and they almost don't belong in the same place. Or if they do, the there need to be like tracks that uh, allow for those different paths. Hmm. Yeah, I, I find myself wondering what school would look like if you had a more informed group of kids going in and really weeded out like the garbage ones. Well, it's kind of I even thing. wonder if I would have made that cut I, mentally, like by choice or by the choice of the school. Yeah. I'm not sure. Mm. Like you're not allowed to go to college until you're 30. <laughs> not quite that, but <laughs> like until artists, you can actually like sing. Uh, on. <laughs> artist music career would be almost over by that time. <laughs> yeah, seriously, as a female, yeah. Well, yeah, no, it's almost kind of like that, uh, the thing that I told you about as far as like the entity or whatever, or like the school and whatnot, like it's much more like a, a solution to this. Obviously, it wouldn't mm. be like an accredited situation, but it is like a, Oh, yeah. Do you want to talk at all about that or are you going to conceal really. it? Okay, yeah. Um, <laughs> top secret information. Yeah, I mean, how, top flight where, where are we? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, so Chris is in the FBI. And yeah. <laughs> uh, oh. Uh-oh. But uh, yeah, no, it's... Yeah, I would just tether. Pe- people told me what it was, and mm-hmm. not from the sense of like, oh, just like, oh, you can make it. Like, in fact, I wanted to be in the NBA when I was younger, mm-hmm. but my father, he didn't discourage me. He was like, okay, you want to commit to the one in the NBA, then I'm gonna show you uh-huh. what That's that great. means. Mm-hmm. And in him showing me through talking to me about it and touching, teaching and studying and, and going out in the court 
every day and having to take two buses and walk them out and get to a basketball court to, you know, practice and get up in the morning, do this and that. After like two months of that, I was like, yeah, nah, like <laughs> if this is what it takes, if this is what it's like, like, I don't want to do this. Yeah. yeah. And that's the thing. Like we, cause when I was younger, I saw, I saw basketball games. You see what I'm saying? Mm, when you I was younger, when I, yeah, exactly. I saw yeah. Coachella when yeah. I was younger, I right. saw Kobe Bryant and Tim yeah. Duncan just dunking on people. And I was like, yeah, that's awesome. I totally, <laughs> totally want to do that. But they don't show they don't show Kobe Bryant waking up at 4 a.m. in the morning, mm-hmm. going to mm-hmm. the gym and shooting 100 shots for an hour and then go home, you know, pick up his daughter or whatever, eat some vegetable juice and some, you know, kale or whatever, mm, and then go back that. to the basketball court and do it again. They don't show that. Musicians, yeah. they don't show the, you know how many hours that I practiced that I didn't get paid for? You know how much, like, time that I put into this instrument, to this crap? Mm-hmm. You know how many terrible gigs that I've done? You know how many gigs that I've lost out on? Like, it's all kinds of crazy things that is not advertised in Coachella. And it wouldn't be advertising that. And the school is definitely not going to advertise that because it draws their students away, which is their money, which Mm -hmm. is the whole reason they can exist in the first place. So it's kind of like just the system. I don't blame the schools. The system that it's set up in is not a system that is designed to make a successful entertainment like career. It's the entertainment is key. This is the thing that I think probably not Columbia and Berkeley, but most universities resist is the idea that music is entertainment versus the idea that music is an intellectual pursuit or something like that. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think that any good professor will realize it because even their lectures are entertainment to a degree. They're, They're performing, and so they have to capture their audience. And I think that um, academic music education focuses almost zero on what it is to capture an audience, what it is to be a performer on stage beyond playing your instrument well. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Which defeats the entire purpose of what students, you know, believe they're going to school for. Yeah, so, so what that you the can entertainment play block. industry. Yeah, like, nobody's mm-hmm. going, like, nobody, I mean, maybe, like, one or five people, but nobody's, like, you know, <laughs> paying $80,000 for four years to go to Columbia to be like, I just, I just really want to understand the academics of music. <laughs> <laughs> like, I just, that voice leading stuff, fascinating. I mean, I do. That is actually my main you going to pay $80,000 to uh, secure your fascination? No, 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 I'll just do it on my own. <laughs> but, yeah. Uh, yeah, you've, you've got me like playing out the scenario where like I have a daughter or something and she's like, mommy, I want to be an artist. And then she's I just, like, no. yeah, like, like no. there's so many things. You First of all, no. Um, but second, like there really are so many better paths, I think, just objectively, almost regardless of what her goal is, unless she just wants to to like appease her fascination with voice leading. Yeah. it's weird like thinking about that because like if i have a kid i mean when i have children or whatever and most likely at least one of them will want to be a musician i definitely wouldn't discourage them but that's because i know that i can show them yeah you're fully capable do what needs to be done just like my father i know that you're capable of that too so i wouldn't discourage it either just send them through you (laughs) right (laughs) but like the filter what if they wanted to be academic like would i send them to college my my daughter would not want to be academic (laughs) yeah neither (laughs) would i uh would i send them to college and see i have an interesting relationship with college because me personally i did get so much from college Mm -hmm. but it wasn't 
the academia part. Like I got obviously the academia part is is also important. It's something that you need, but it's something that can be addressed like outside of school. So I had a really great experience in college, mm-hmm. and for me, it's done a lot. But I don't think college is that same thing when I have yep. kids. Also, the industry is so different. So yeah, mm-hmm. no, that's actually like interesting to think about. Like, what route would I send my children on if they wanted to be? Um, yeah, I was thinking about this just with general, honestly, homeschooling even of like elementary mm-hmm. to high school kids. Yep. Like I know some very very bright people and very various fields and i it is very appealing to me and seems possible maybe it's pie in the sky probably is to just assemble a crew of my smartest friends who know how to teach math and english and geometry and whatever Mm -hmm. and have them tutor my kid in those things like that actually seems like way less of a waste of time way cheaper than private school mm-hmm. and just better and more yep. fun and, and enriching and like they're hanging out with adults but of course i guess what's missed in that even in that scenario is hanging out with all the other bogus kids that they need to learn how to cope with in the yep. real world right mm-hmm. and that's that's something that being in, in a school is probably good for like you i don't know it's it's a there's a social element to it and navigating that was pretty important for me yeah 100 percent. i mean that's the Probably the one of the like yeah one of the three biggest things that I got from Columbia is the the interaction yeah. the socializing mm-hmm. that that many fake industry experience that existed there. So yeah, I don't know. There's there's arguments for and against. I wouldn't steer my kids towards school because the reason why my father put me in school is because because he wasn't he was very very successful musician, but he wasn't well rounded. Mm. And he mm. knew he knew that by the time that I was going to try to get into the industry, that it was going to change. Mm. So he knew that I would need to be considerably more well-rounded and versatile than he was. In so music? Since, yeah. Mm-hmm. And so since he wasn't that, he couldn't teach me that. So what he did it was like, go to school, learn there what I'm not able to teach you, mm-hmm. but I'm going to teach you all the stuff that they are not able is that to versatility you. of style or what, like what is that yeah style okay. uh reading the academia part okay. music theory you know all those kind of things huh. and like, your dad actually pushed you toward that that's that's like that puts a whole new spin on you being at columbia or you being in school yeah because yeah that's yeah he knew that it, he knew that i was going to need that by the time i got into the workforce mm-hmm. he knew that it was going to change and that's been tr- proven true oh 100 okay. if i didn't if i didn't do the stuff that he told me to do i wouldn't be able to be doing how i'm doing basically oh i love that yeah that's a very positive note to leave people with yeah i, I think so <laughs> my um, positive so- note is that chris <laughs> is by far the greatest thing that ever came out of college for me <laughs> i got a roommate out of it uh-huh. <laughs> yeah that's a crazy a roommate we, not we, not a boyfriend we, not a boyfriend we remember when we met we were sitting and again the social aspect i mean yeah it's just yeah. i mean she's my best friend it's been like like i don't know what like 10 years 10 years like yeah so yeah. long like we were we were hanging out I was eating yogurt on the floor. Not much has changed. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And and you've made some music together, right? Oh, yeah. yeah. Nice. So I usually end with with an improvisation, but um, we were talking about playing your track King, right? Yeah, let's do it. Cool. All right. Well, (laughs) this is King. (laughs) Never let the Joker out my sight. Never win broke. I never so out of line till I met you and I hit the ground And I'm almost say I've never seen so much weakness in one place They put the 20 inch bicep with no strength Cause you've been rapping it
Thanks, Alma. Thanks for coming on. It was an awesome talk. Uh, a lot of cool stuff to think about. And uh, I'll link to all of your social medias and everything so people can find you. Check out uh, Alma's recent podcast on Braver Angels. And yeah, talk to you guys later. Nice. Thanks, Thanks for having us, Anthony. Bye, Bye. everybody. Go college. <laughs> All right, thanks for listening or watching. Remember to check out Alma Cook and Chris Thigpen. They are both musicians in the Los Angeles area with links below. And please remember to like, leave a comment, and subscribe to my channels. And if you would like to consider supporting my content generally, please consider visiting my Patreon page. Thanks. Bye.